Hi everyone and welcome to Everything EFL, third time lucky due to technical <laughs> problems. Okay, so welcome to um, the podcast on a very chilly November evening in North County, Dublin. I'm still flying solo, but don't fear, I have a great guest for you this evening. Um, we're going to talk about something that is beginning to be more widely discussed in the EFL field. So do you know what native speakerism is? Put simply, according to the internet, it's the notion of a certain westernized look and culture that is represented by the EFL teacher. But anyone who's ever worked in a language school knows that this isn't necessarily the case for all the teachers. Um, and those teachers who don't typically fit this model may face a negative reaction in the classroom. So joining me today is a woman who, when we were working pre-pandemic, was one of the most well-respected teachers in the staff room, and rightly so. She has a wealth of experience in the EFL field in both teaching and management. So I'm delighted to welcome Radhika Ayer. Welcome, Radhika. How are you? Hello, hi Erin. Thank you for having me. It's an honor and a pleasure, and and for you know uh, piling me with all those compliments. Feels good, yeah. Pleasure's <laughs> all mine. Okay, um, do you just want to tell us a little bit about your teaching career up to now? Yeah, of course. So my experience would span more than twenty years. I won't say exactly. You know, it's nearing thirty, um, so that would give away my age actually. But um, I actually trained as a teacher. I got a, a beard. Um, in uh, Tessel from the UK and then um, I worked um, because I'm originally from Malaysia so and then I returned to Malaysia and I worked in a secondary school for 10 years and then I moved to Dubai during that 10 years I, I did my master's in education as well and then I moved to Dubai and I moved into higher education and so at first I was um, teaching English uh, uh, for first year students who needed to up their skills for whatever courses they were doing. And then I moved into teacher training. And one of the teacher training courses that um, I was training on was similar to a PGCE. It was a nine month course for Tessel teachers who are going to teach English as a second language in Dubai private schools. And five years ago, I moved to Ireland. And so and I was teaching in a language school, ESL, EFL, EAP, and some teacher training. And most recently, um, I just got a job with a local education authority. So that's me. Okay. Woman of many talents. Um, okay. <laughs> Thank you. So um, firstly, would you agree with my definition of native speakerism? Um, yes, I would agree, actually. I think native speakerism has come to mean uh, that it has to be somebody from born and raised in, from a Western country, a certain look even. Um, so that means white and then also a particular accent. So a particular accent from Western countries may be US, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, UK, Ireland, you know, and any other um, country, although in many other countries, English may be an official language or maybe a close second language and people would speak it all the time. Um, people from those countries then are still not considered as native speakers just because that they might have another mother tongue, yeah. you know, um, that they are speaking. So yes, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, good definition, thanks. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot of room for exclusion um, in that definition, unfortunately. Um, so you've worked primarily um, in Dubai and Dublin. Um, can, um, have you ever had an immediate negative reaction in a student's first class? 
Yes. So um, especially in Ireland, well, it happened in Dubai once because I was delivering academic skills workshops to postgraduate students. And one student just kind of said like, because it was called the British University in Dubai, just assumed that all the uh, teachers and lecturers would be British and assumed that I wasn't British. Well, that was right, of course, but still just based on my appearance. And then immediately said like, where are you from? What are your qualifications? How long have you been speaking English? Why are you teaching us uh, this course? So, um, and, and then, but thank God my, my manager kind of stepped in because I told him about it and he came to the workshop and just basically said, this is an optional workshop and um, there's no one like Radhika in this university. So if you uh, don't want to be here, here's the door, you know? So that was great actually, it made me feel very supported, you know? Um, of course, in Ireland, I've had a few instances where I've had students, I mean, like I'm already in class setting up for something quite early and then students start walking in on the first day and I just say hello. And before I can even introduce myself, the first question they ask me is where are you from? You know, immediately assuming that oh, I'm not, she's not from Ireland, she's not Irish. And there was once a student who in the first class asked me, um, was I born in Ireland? And I just said no, and I carried on with the lesson. And then he left the class during break, went straight to reception and asked to switch classes, saying that he wanted an Irish teacher. But of course, they asked him to, they said he has to stay in my class because I suppose they felt then they would be encouraging that sort of discrimination. But what he chose to do then was he stayed in my class for the next two months and just completely refused to engage, participate, do anything. And that just, made it worse for both of us because every time I saw him and he would just sit in the corner and not speak a word and not do anything, not submit any work, not write, not speak, nothing. And I just thought, you are not learning at all and you're just putting me in a bad place. And then the other students also felt very uncomfortable and uneasy. So yeah, it was really bad. And there was also once when I was doing a grammar lesson or something, one student out of the blue just said, um, did you learn English at university? And I just thought, I just said, uh, what are we doing here? You know, why are you asking me this question now? So like out of the blue, you know, like I know that they've been wanting to ask me something, but they just shoot it out at some point, you know, which I thought was very rude and disrespectful. So yeah, so sometimes, so I actually answered her by saying, no, I just learned English last year. I said, I've only been speaking it for about 12 months, yeah. Oh, so amazing. It's such a quick <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. can I ask how the management reacted in the second case in Dublin? Yeah, well, you know, I, I can understand because they kind of, that student especially who insisted that he wanted to switch classes, I mean, they said he can't. But I, I mean, I kind of understand why, because I suppose they thought if you switch classes, then they're kind of encouraging that sort of discrimination. So you just walk in, you don't like the look of your teacher, you can say, you know, I want to switch classes. So I understand why they didn't do it. But at the same time, I felt like they should have supported and monitored the situation. Like, somebody should have come and asked me like, how's it going? How's he doing? Because then eventually, you know, after about a couple of weeks, I had to send an email, you know, and then I had to have a meeting. And then I was told that, no, it wasn't actually about me, that the student was having other issues, you know, but I had already been informed that he had wanted to leave my class because he considered me a non-native speaker. So knowing that, 
I felt, well, he may have other issues, but he wanted to leave my class based on that. And now he's just not engaging and he's just behaving badly, you know? And so, yeah, so it was, that, that, was, that was a difficult time for me. And I, I wished almost then that the management had done things differently you know, switched him or done something differently. I, I'm not sure what, but yeah, it was awful. It left a very bad taste in my mouth, actually. Yeah, yeah I'm not surprised. Yeah, so there was like a lack of follow-up basically from the manager or the management. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you, here's a question. Did, did you ever give them feedback about that? Him? About the yeah, way you, I mean, there I were mean, a couple um, of times. That... Sorry, about to the management, about the way you thought it had been handled. No, not about the, no, I, I never gave that feedback, you know, because they kept telling me that I think they were trying to, I don't know what they were trying to do, but maybe they're trying to make me feel better and say, no, it, it's not about you, yeah. but I'd already felt that it's about me, you know, so no, I, I never told management that, uh, yeah, that I was dissatisfied about the way that it was handled. Yeah. You know. Do you wish you had? But I think I, well, I put something on Facebook without mentioning, of course, to the student or his nationality or names or anything. I kind of put a long rant. And then I think a couple of people in management saw it um, and then kind of said to me that, oh, you know, um, sorry you felt like that, you know, but th this school actually doesn't encourage that. And I thought, uh, well, actually you did, but never mind, <laughs> you know, but, you know, <laughs> what, what can I do, you know, yeah. so, yeah. So, I mean, how hard is it not to get angry in these situations? And do you tend to sort of use humor or something else to try and deflect that anger? Yeah, like that part with that girl, I was a bit sarcastic. You know, I said, like, I learned, I would try and use humor. Sometimes if they ask me where I'm from, I'll say Dundalk. And then they, they've not heard of Dundalk, you know. Uh, so then they look it up and then I'll show an Irish and map of Ireland and say, oh, that's Dundalk. And then they say, no, 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 like, where are your parents from? So then I just show them another small town. I say, my parents are from RD, you know, and then... And I said, my grandparents are from Castle Bellingham and I show them all the small towns that they've never heard of. And, and, and usually if it's a higher level class, they get it, they get the message that, okay, you know, like, let's just drop this kind of thing, you know? And yeah. I usually don't get angry. There's just no point, you know, like I might come back to the staff room and have a rant with y'all and shout and scream about it or whatever, you know, because then I can actually get some satisfaction because I know I'll get some sympathy or empathy, but with the students, no, you know, I would use humor. I would uh, joke about it. Sometimes I would just plain ignore the question and just say like, if somebody just suddenly asked me, where are you from? If you're doing something about travel or something, I say, really, we're talking about my origins, you know? What I have done with the higher level classes, with an IELTS class when they were so curious was that, then I made a I in one of the sessions because we were looking at, um, I, I said that they could, we were doing a speaking activity. So I switched it and I said, okay, now you can ask me questions um, about me, you know, but it, you know, and um, it only, it has, I can only answer yes or no. So it has to be yes, no questions, you know? So at that point I gave them a platform where, um, you know, they could ask me questions, but because I limited it, I restricted it to yes, no questions, you know, they were kind of guessing, are you from Sri Lanka? No, you know, so then, you know, so then, you know, that's it, you know, like they, they, they would never guess Malaysia no. somehow or other, you know, so they, yeah, so 
that's it. They, they don't find out then, you know, where I'm from. So I've done that and that's worked well. And then they have a laugh and then it kind of then puts a stop to it. Yeah. It's rested kind of thing yeah. you know, and it doesn't moving come on. up again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah good on. idea. Yeah. I mm-hmm. like it. Um, have you ever felt like you've had to prove yourself more than other native speaker teachers who would perhaps fit the um, typical idea of a what an EFL teacher would look and sound like? Yeah, well, in terms of looks, I suppose I can't change anything, you know, unless I pour bleach on myself, you know. But um, yeah, in terms of a speak, but in terms of the way I speak, you know, I, I I would be I would be conscious of my accent and my pronunciation. So so sometimes what I would do is I would show off a bit because. I loved phonetics and phonology when I was in mm. university. I was one of those who could write. I could transcribe a whole paragraph using, you know, uh, phonetics. I was like that. I loved it. You know, I loved sounds okay. and things like that. So, yeah. So I would. So then I could show off then, you know, because I I know all my phonetic symbols. I know all the nuances and the sounds. So I would kind of challenge them a little bit, you know. So that was my platform for showing off, you know. So. So then I would make, challenge them and make it a little bit difficult for them, you know, just to kind of, I don't know. I don't know whether I succeeded. I don't know what, what about my point was, but I wanted to show them, listen, you know, I know what I'm doing, you know, I'm good at this kind of yeah. thing, but I, I don't know if it worked or not, you know, but it, sometimes it gives me some sort of, gave me some sort of satisfaction, I suppose, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I love yeah. pronunciation too. And obviously being English and working in Ireland, I you try and give the Irish or the Dublin pronunciation and sometimes the American pronunciation as well because a lot of yeah. students are more used to that anyway. Do you ever try and do like a bit of a Dublin accent and <laughs> give them some alternatives? I don't think I've succeeded in doing a Dublin accent. <laughs> what I've done is I have, I've tried to imitate a Dundalk accent because I told them once that a bus driver was talking to me. He was asking me, asked me something and I didn't know. Then I went and sat down in my seat and then I figured out what he was asking me. So when I got off, I answered his question, so he must have just thought I'm really stupid. Like it took me like <laughs> one hour to figure out the answer. But then, so they, they have a laugh with that. And then we also look at, yeah. And I also asked them because a lot of our students uh, were staying with host families, right? So yeah. I asked them like, okay, how would your Irish host families pronounce this word? And yeah. then we say, how is it different from what's in the book? And we look at the vowel uh, changes and differences. And we also look at um, like New Zealand, you know, and Australia and all, how the vowels are really different. And then sometimes when you do speaking, you know, like there might there might be a Scottish accent and they say, what accent is that? And I say Scottish and they say, my God, didn't even sound like English. And I say, exactly, yeah. you know, yeah. so yeah. So th- that, that's just such a range of accents. And, you know, so sometimes, yeah, it's fun to just do that and look at different accents and then just see how in the book, the receipt pronunciation or the standard pronunciation is actually even mostly not that's not how even people speak uh, in in England or UK because of the different regional accents you know yeah yeah so it's quite interesting yeah it's very sort of generic south of England um pronunciation isn't it which is brilliant for me but um for pretty much everybody else (laughs) in our staff room it was like completely pointless um (laughs) so how long like if you if you get a student who think who you think maybe they've got a bit of an issue with me how long does it generally take you to win them over um, I, I don't focus on winning them over, you know, because I just think I'm going to do my job to the, to, to the best of my ability, you know, and what has happened is that I know the, the first class in this language school was an EAP class and I, I, I replaced another teacher. So when I walked in, they were kind of, mm, and um, 
most of them were from, uh, most of the class uh, were from Brazil. They were mostly first or second year university students who had come to, um, you know, to DCU. Um, so they were there to do this EAP course to, 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 to do a year in DCU. And there were also some Chinese students in that class. So I know that on that first day that one or two went up to reception and said like, who is she and where is she from and all that. And I know that whoever was at reception that time was very good and said, okay, stay for a week in Radhika's class and then see how you go. And then after a week, come back and let us know if you know, you're not happy. Because at that time I was new as well, you know, so they didn't know anything about me as well. But, but then the person at reception told me, nobody came back, nobody came back. So I assume then it takes about a week, you know, um, but generally, I, I don't think, yeah, I need to win students over. I, I think that I have to do my job as a teacher and I have to care for my learners and I have to get to know them and find out their learning styles and what's good for them and what's working in the class. You know, whether they, I mean, I hope they like me, you know, I hope so, you know, that's all you can hope for, but you can't force everyone to like you. But if someone's decided that they're not going to like you, because of the way you look and sound, then maybe I don't want them to like me. You know? <laughs> good point. That's a very good point. You can only try so hard, you know, and then, yeah. you know, you've reached your limit of tolerance and that's that and you can suck it up. <laughs> um, <laughs> so have you, like, you're, you're quite um, active on Twitter, aren't you? You're more of a Twitter gal. I'm more of an Insta gal. You're more of a Twitter gal. Have you sort of seen tourism yeah. stuff being discussed more widely on Twitter lately? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I joined Twitter a few years ago, but I wasn't active until lockdown because I, I kind of had nothing much to do. So I kind of became active. And then I found that there were, there are a few people out there and there are a few groups, or organizations out there who, who are really pushing um, this um, and fighting against this idea of native speakerism and about how you shouldn't use accents uh, to judge people and their teaching abilities, you know. Um, so yeah, there are there are there are a few good fighters out there actually. So I kind of yeah uh, read what they have to say. You know, I I I I follow them and I like things. You know, um, lately I haven't posted that much. You know, but I would I I do see that there there are also a couple of groups on um, Facebook. And one of them recently posted a video of a teacher, I think who was trying to, I think because of COVID, trying to set up her own online teaching business. And one of the, her, one of her ways of advertising it was saying that, oh, you know, are you learning English now? But where are you learning English? Are you being taught by teachers who are not native speakers? then you should come to my YouTube channel, you know? So I thought, oh my God. And then we really, all of us, once I saw that video, we all went and reported it to YouTube. So then that video was removed. So that was brilliant, you know? Yeah. It's a good example of, um, I don't know what you'd call it, crowd power. Um, just people coming no, together, yeah. making a stand. Yeah, people coming together, yeah, making a stand. Yeah, yeah. so that, that was good. I mean, that was one good thing that came out of social media, I suppose, you know? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough one. It can be used for so many insidious things if we ha as we have seen, but I mean, it can also be used to mobilize people for good. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm not that active on Twitter, but um, I saw a little while ago that Hugh Deller, I think he's under Lexical Lab. I'll put the I'll put his handle on the show notes. He um, yeah. tweeted something about native speakerism. 
uh, and he just got this huge backlash from people completely disagreeing with him um, about the fact that you know native speakers should be from a certain country or everybody should be a native speaker who teaches English or something like that so he just like every day he retweeted somebody's tweet you know just to say okay this person said this today this person said this today and it was brilliant um so I think like exposing this kind of thing is really important um I mean it's something that to be honest I hadn't really thought about before and like I know that there was a big debate about um, non-native speakers not getting fair treatment when it comes to getting jobs but I never really considered native speakers who don't fit the mold not getting jobs or not getting the chance to get a job so I mean do you feel like you've you've sent your CV somewhere and you've just never been given a chance from the get-go oh definitely definitely yeah um, um, um in uh, in Dubai and also in Ireland I've sent my CV um you know for for teaching jobs director of studies jobs and they haven't even got back to me they haven't even interviewed me because the advertisement basically says that you know uh we prefer uh, native speaker applicants or some of them even say non-native speakers need not apply now they don't know if i'm a native speaker or non-native speaker but based looking at my cv and looking at my name and looking at perhaps you know they they assume then oh okay you know they, they just assume she's a non-native speaker so we are not even going to bother interviewing her you know and yes so i would say yes i have been discriminated against uh, because if they interviewed me and said no, then I say, okay, at least they gave me a chance, you know, but yeah, you know, they didn't even give me that chance. So then I would say, because if they looked at my CV and looked at my experience, then they should have interviewed me, at least given me an interview. But that means they just rejected me based on my name and my origins, you know, and so that's very disheartening. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd say so. And again, it's something that I hadn't really considered. I mean, I, my sort of approach to this was through the point of view of your experience with students but I mean yeah I mean it, it starts with management doesn't it really giving people it a starts it starts with management it, it starts with businesses and people who are in the business of uh, language teaching or language schools because you know they are the ones who who are actually spreading this idea so if you are advertising it like that you know we only you know we only want native speakers. And then when they're advertising their school to prospective learners, one of the phrases that you will always see is, oh, you know, our teachers are natives, you know, native uh, speakers of English or whatever, you know. So that's used as advertising to draw students. So then how can you blame students for yeah. coming in and thinking that, oh, you know, because, and, and the idea is they have this picture then, what is a native, teacher look like you know and so that's what it is so they are actually making it worse so schools and business and people in the language teaching business should actually stop doing that you know and I think that right now if 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 I see any advertisements like that you know I would actually say name and shame them you know put it on social media and say this is not right I mean you don't need to be, say anything really bad and say look, this is not right, you know? And I think that's what people are doing now. A lot of non-native um, teachers and a lot of groups are doing now. They are kind of saying, look at this. They're putting yeah. pictures up and saying, this is not right. And a lot of us are saying, this is not right. You know, we are not attacking the school or anything. We are telling them this is not right, you know? So then hopefully they'll respond. So I think it needs to start with that, you know? Yeah. With that 
advertising the school, advertising and, and recruitment, you know, it, that needs to change. And then it will cascade down, I think, hopefully, you know, to students as well. Yeah, they'll be know. more accepting of a wider range of teachers. Um, yeah, yeah. So finally, what advice would you give to other teachers going through similar experiences who might feel a bit uncomfortable in lessons or they don't feel they've got the proper support from their management? I think really some teachers have the self-fulfilling prophecy because right now where I'm working, one of the teachers just a few days ago told me, oh, you know, uh, because she considers herself to be a non-native uh, speaker. So she said, oh, you know, it will, you know, I would like, I think for next term, it'll be good if my students go to an Irish teacher, they need to listen to an Irish accent. I said, why? I said, why? Why do they need to listen to an Irish accent? They are living in Ireland and they're going to, they're listening to various Irish accents while they're out and about, you know? They've come to you to learn English. They, if they want to learn an accent, then they can go to an accent coach, you know? So the first thing is, I think teachers themselves need to really uh, be sure of themselves and say, it's okay, you know, my accent is okay. Accents are good things, you know, and, and that's part of diversity and diversity is a good thing, you know, so, and that's what they need to think. My accent is fine, you know, and focus on, on your teaching methods and things like that, you know, and don't worry about your accent. I know it's, it's a tough call, but I think um, that's what they need to do. And I think also teachers, if they do realize that particular schools are treating them differently or not giving them equal chances or not employing them because they're viewed as non-native um, speakers, then I think they need to highlight it. And then, you know, and you've got so many social media platforms, you need to put it out there and say, look, this is what happened to me. They need to share that as well. You know, and I think I had that chance to do that during lockdown because Irish Times was asking about stories about people uh, living and work, people of color living and working in Ireland after the whole Black Lives Matter exploded. Mm. So I sent my story in, you know, and, and they actually published it in the Irish Times about how that student walked out of my class, you know. So, and I think these kind of things shouldn't just happen when Black Lives Matter or whatever happens, you know. This needs to be there all the time. People need to be yeah. talking about it and discussing it and taking action all the time. Someone does not need to die in America, you know, for, for, for us in Ireland to realize what's happening. You know, yeah. I think it, it needs to go on. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you feel That's there has been a slight shift this year? And do you think that shift will continue? Oh, yes. I don't know if the shift will continue. I think a lot of issues, not just about native speakerism, but a lot of issues, different types of discrimination um, and everything in Ireland has come out because of Black Lives Matter. But I, yeah, I, I am a bit worried that sometimes, you know, everyone jumps on that wagon and then, mm, you know, it all kind of dies down again. So yeah. I think it, the idea is to keep it going. You have to keep it going, you know? Yeah. yeah because the issues and problems are not going to go away. They just get yeah. forgotten. Yeah, you know? so, yeah. And but people like me, along. yeah, and, and people like me or other teachers like me will, will still continue to face the same sort of issues or same sort of daily things that they may face with students. You know? yeah. yeah, well, you know, fingers crossed that this is the start of um, um, a change for the better. Um, I've learned a lot talking to you, Radhika. I have to say, um, I sort of, well, first of all, I naively made the assumption that management will always have your back um, with something like this. Um, and also, you know, the, the onus is on the management to, to make these changes as well and, and listen to the teachers. So, um, yeah. yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing your experiences. Um, 
and I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So if you enjoyed this episode, guys, please like, share and follow everything EFL on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. Um, also, I'd love to hear from you if you have any comments on this episode. So please get in contact on those social media sites I just mentioned. You can subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts or Apple. And don't forget to tell your colleagues about us and share the love. Bye, guys. Bye, Radhika. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>